0: Hi, and welcome to Afroqueer. I'm Rachel Wamoto, stepping in for Sally Chum. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you for the support and comments on the season so far. Special shout outs to our Patreons who support us monthly on patreon.com. If you'd like to know more about this, check out our Instagram for details. Keep those comments coming, please. We love to hear from you and keep sharing Afroqueer far and wide. Now, we all love watching films, don't we? Especially ones in which we see ourselves, our gorgeous queer African selves. But, as we know, there aren't a lot of queer African films out there. For one, it's an expensive business. There's so much anti-LGBTQ propaganda to dodge, and then there are the constant battles with censorship boards that mostly stop queer films and series being shown in local cinemas, on national TV, and sometimes even on cable TV. Making a queer film in most African countries really is a labor of love. In this episode, we're going behind the scenes to meet producers, writers, and directors of some groundbreaking films in Kenya and Nigeria.
1: This is not a sad story. Yes, as any life, it's difficult, it has challenges, but this is a portrayal of someone who basically, I think, is a winner in the end.
0: This is Pete Murimi, a film director. He's part of a flourishing Kenyan documentary scene that's been making waves on the international festival circuit. Pete's latest film is I Am Samuel. It's about a man called, yep, you guessed it, Samuel. He's gay and he's from rural Kenya.
1: Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Uh, today I'm very happy because uh, it, is, it is one year One month since I met my soul here, Alex, I met the person who could understand me in anything I do. He's there for me. I know that after this, we are going to encounter a lot of challenges. So I just request you guys to pray for me. I remember the first meeting we had, and he's like, I've never seen myself on the screen of someone like myself. Samuel just told me we're forgotten and it's really important that our stories are told.
0: Pete filmed I Am Samuel over five years in an observational style, meaning there's no script, just the realness and rawness of Samuel's life as he moves from the countryside to the city, falls in love with another man and seeks the acceptance of his religious traditional family. It's an incredibly intimate portrait.
2: It's always nice to, you know, hang out with some. You know, any any time we can get alone, rather, is something I really cherish. Having a weekend like this to ourselves is it's really nice.
1: <laughs> Filming over five years gives you privilege, and also gives you this access that strangers won't get because. Every time I was around, I had a camera on my lap or shooting. So it became very normal for me to be around and during the intimate times, and everybody just forgets him there. This film shows how the parents deal with him being gay, but also how they accept him being gay, but in their own way. It's a father-son relationship, parent-son relationship, and Two men who love each other, and they're going to make it work, despite the odds.
0: Pete was partly inspired to make the film by things that were happening in his own family.
1: One of my siblings was coming out, and especially as filmmakers, you think that a film will be the solution. I'll go and tell this story, and it will fix my family and fix everything else.
0: Pete saw in Samuel's father a mirror
1: of his own. My dad, when he found out, it's the same reaction, like he completely withdrew. Do you want to talk to her? Do you he want to see her? But now they're very close, but they will never talk about the love life. And I think for my father, like, that is the most that he can go. And I think also we have to respect that. And I think it's the whole point of this film. I think there is acceptance, and it's acceptance basically on their terms.
0: Pete is not part of the LGBTQ community, so he was careful to ensure that he didn't impose his own viewpoint on the documentary.
1: I had to be more conscious and considerate of things, and I needed a lot of advice from, especially from Samuel and his friends. Kept on showing them rough cuts. And they kept on um, giving me input on what is important and what's not important. Samuel was like, it's really important to me that I'm a Christian as well as LGBT.
0: Pete made this film in part as something he wished his parents could have watched, and also for the thousands of other Kenyan families with LGBTQ siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, so that they could see themselves.
3: Hi, I'm Pamela Adier. I'm a filmmaker, and I live in Lagos, Nigeria. Pamela's most well-known film is the short
0: film, Ife. Ife means love in Yoruba.
3: You are so
0: bougie. <coughs> me? What? I just feel guilty. You haven't been able to eat anything that I cooked. So, what do you eat? Every week my mom cooks
4: and packs food for me in bowls. It's either that or I eat out.
3: And you don't get lectures about cooking for your husband?
0: (laughs) (laughs) My mom knows I'm never marrying a man.
3: Oh. If I tell the story of two Nigerian women who fall in love over a three-day date, aren't you worried or afraid? Of?
0: Afraid of getting hurt. That has happened a few times in the past, but it's okay. This is who I am. I'm not going to change or try to turn off who I am. When the right person comes, they'll love me and all that I am.
2: You fair? Hmm? it too soon to say I might be in love with you.
4: We're lesbians. This is the perfect time.
3: I'm in love with you too. You rarely see stories about love, about, you know, resilience or even stories about two women, in fact. A lot of the stories that are within the Nigerian media space that are also negative are mostly focused on men. So we wanted to make a film to change the narrative from, okay, these people are crazy and they need to be cured, to a narrative of celebrating in love, falling in love, you know, just like everyone else. We also just wanted to give queer Nigerian women the chance to see themselves, you know, accurately portrayed on the big screen.
4: I think that... Internally, we had always been um, rather confused about the way that uh, black, African, queer people were represented on screen.
0: That's Sunny Dollet. Sunny is a member of the Nest Collective, a group of artists based in Kenya who work across fashion, virtual reality, literature, film, and so much more.
4: There was no love, there was no laughter, uh, there was no hope. Um, It was just a lot of statistics.
0: So, a few years ago, the NEST embarked on an ambitious project to document the real lives of over 250 queer Kenyans.
4: A lot of us at the collective identify as queer and and we're like, for sure, from our own experiences and those of our friends, we know that there's more to the black Kenyan queer lived experience than this very bleak picture that was being painted. So, over a period of... I think it was about four months, we went round about eight towns in Kenya, interviewing people who identified as lesbian, gay, bi, intersex, trans, who were willing to speak to us.
0: Out of that came the critically acclaimed, award-winning Stories of Our Lives, a film centred around five stories. It was cast, written, produced and shot in 2014 by The Nest in Kenya. The Stories of Our Lives, like I Am Samuel, premiered at one of the world's most prestigious film festivals, the Hot Docs in Toronto, Canada. This was exciting, of course, but the Nest Collective also wanted Kenyans to see their films, so they submitted the film for a rating to the Kenya Film Classification Board, or KFCB, so it could be shown on Kenyan TV or cinemas. Straightforward, right? Well, actually, no. Not at all. It's one of the most interesting things we've ever been through because in an ideal world if they were saying no, they would just say no. N'jokingumi wrote the screenplay for stories of our lives. But then we had phone calls, like our producer was being called in the middle of the night to be asked, Yan you people, Indio Militangeneza. Yep, you heard right. Someone from the KFCB was making phone calls very late at night long after office hours, asking Wangeshin Ngugi, the producer, if the NEST collective were really the ones who had made the film. And then she's like, yeah, I mean, we brought it to be rated. Is there a rating? They're like, no. And then the late night phone calls continued. Then they call and they say, so, I mean, we've watched it, it's fine. We like it. We're not sure about that ending. Eh, uh-huh. So it was the ending of stories of our lives that was the issue for the Kenyan Film and Classification Board. Here's Jim Chuchu, who directed the film.
2: They said you can't have a positive ending, right? You can't tell people that queerness is human. The parts where the queers are running, they're afraid, where the, the, the friend betrays the friend, that's fine. But this bit at the end where you're like, like, love is no, guys. Um, And then they also said that the scene with the girls kissing was like, just the most terrible thing they've ever seen. At the same time, they were like, it looks really nice. It's a great film, but (laughs) so it's like, we love your child, but also please cut the heart out of the child.
0: The nest refused to cut the heart out of stories of our lives by changing the ending. So the film was banned. But things did not stop at that. The Kenyan authorities put out a very aggressive statement saying,
2: This thing's pornographic. It shows bizarre scenes of young girls um, engaging in obscene. It's never clear to me what straight people think of when they think about queer sex, but it's always something that seems to disturb them. And so that statement was that. it was. The state imagining queer sex. And people we are like, the public are not going to see this film because you banned it. All they're going to see is this first statement.
0: The Nest wanted the public to know the truth about what the film was really about.
2: I remember that day we went back to the office very quickly and cut the trailer. I've never cut a trailer so quickly. like, we need people to to get a sense of, of what this film is. They'll never see the film maybe, but let them see the trailer.
0: Like the film, the trailer is in black and white. You see slow motion snippets of different scenes throughout the film. A woman blowing bubbles, two girls flirting in school uniform, somebody being beaten and a mob at the door. The government also accused the NEST of misleading the authorities, saying that they had not been clear on what story they were telling when they applied for a license to shoot the film. George Gashara, one of the founding members of the NEST collective, was arrested.
2: Shame is the first port of call to curtail expression and queerness, right? It's always the first thing they go to. I remember when George was in the cell and I remember standing outside the police station and and this cop came outside and told me, are you guys the ones who've done pornography? And yeah, that was like, what the fuck? You know, that's not what we did.
0: The prosecutors never showed up to court. So eventually the case against George was dropped. But the film Stories of Our Lives continues to live in exile, unable to be seen by Kenyans in Kenya. Remember Rafiki? the lesbian coming-of-age film set in Nairobi. We reviewed the film back in season one, episode six. Please, go back and listen. I think you'll love it. Let's make a pact that we will never be like any of them down there. Instead, we're going to be something real. Something real. The director, Wanuri Kahio, submitted the film for rating. Ezekiel Mutua was the head of the KFCB at the time. His reign came to an abrupt, controversial end in August 2021. But when he was in charge, the KFCB came out hard against Rafiki.
4: The portion of that movie that we agreed that would be deleted is the one that gives the glamorization or normalization of lesbianism.
0: Like the Nest Collective, the makers of Rafiki refused to change the ending of the film. So, this film was banned in Kenya, and instead, it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, the first Kenyan film to do so.
2: Rafiki, film présenté dans la section Uncertain Regard.
0: After the team got back from Cannes, the director Wanuri took the KFCB to court. She claimed that, by banning the film in Kenya, the KFCB's decision went counter to the Constitution, which is charged with protecting the freedom of expression. And also, she wanted to be able to submit it as an Oscar nominee for Best Foreign Language Film. To do that, a film has to be shown for seven consecutive days in the country where
4: it was made. But After a month's long ban due to its lesbian love theme, the Kenyan film Rafiki, which means friend in Swahili, has premiered in Nairobi following a Kenyan high court decision to allow the screening of the controversial film.
0: And so for seven magical days and nights, Kenyans packed cinemas to watch Rafiki and its very happy ending.
4: I'm so glad the ban has been lifted, even if it's just for a week. But a week can move into a month, into a year. And even from the crowd that is here, you already see everybody is so excited.
0: But it was only a temporary victory, a temporary lifting of the ban. In 2020, the High Court of Kenya sided with the KFCB, ruling that its ban on Rafiki does not in any way violate artistic freedom of expression. But instead protects Kenyan society from moral decay. The makers of I Am Samuel thought that they might have more luck than Rafiki and Stories of Our Lives.
1: We had done over 20 festivals in North America, in Europe, in South America. So basically the film had been seen around the world.
0: That's the director, Pete Murimi.
1: We were hoping because this is about real people, it's about real lives, that they can look at it differently, especially seeing the endorsements that it has got globally. So we thought we could get different results, but uh, we were wrong.
0: Pete was at a film festival in Germany when he got the news. I
1: was just getting ready for my day, and uh, I got a WhatsApp message that the film had been banned. I was shocked that uh, they didn't communicate to us directly or prior to the announcement.
2: In the course of examining a film entitled I Am Samuel, we noted a clear and deliberate attempt to promote same-sex marriage as an acceptable way of life.
1: The documentary features marriage of two men. I don't know whether it's me, the storyteller, who is not clear enough, or they are being mischievous because in the film there's no marriage at all. But I can see how that could be a sensational thing to say and completely distract people from the message of the film.
2: On the basis of religion as a classifiable element, the board finds the documentary not only blasphemous, but also an attempt to use religion
1: to advocate same-sex marriage. I speak to Samuel Daly, and I think for him, what was really disturbing and hurtful was how homophobic the tone was of that press conference and um, basically trying to look at him not as a human being. If you cut him, he'll bleed Kenya. But he's being told he's not a proper Kenyan and that's really wrong.
0: If you live in the UK, Ireland and the US, you can stream I Am Samuel on Bohemia Euphoria. And if you're in Africa, you can see it for free via the South African AfriDocs digital platform. Just not in Kenya, because it's geo-blocked. In Nigeria, you don't need a permit to shoot a film. But like Kenya, you do need a rating if you want to distribute the film in cinemas and on national TV. The makers of the lesbian short film Ife decided that they would not even approach the Nigerian national film and video Center. Here's the producer, Pamela Adier, again.
3: We knew that they were not going to approve our film, so we didn't even want to try. Their tactic to evade censorship was to go straight online,
0: because anything that's shown online isn't regulated by Nigeria's censor board.
3: The Equality Hub, which is the executive producer, I'll be fair, It has an online streaming platform. And so when you made the film, we made it exclusively to show on the platform. So anyone can go watch the film on ehtvnetwork.com. The drawback to that is that we have minimal reach because we're new, but that's where we are now. But that's not where we're always going to be, right? Pamela says, ehtv network
0: which was launched in 2020, is approaching about 200,000 views.
3: So the UK and the US and Canada was another big one. Uh, But our biggest audience right now is from Nigeria, funny enough. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like that's kind of ironic because Nigerians will tell you, oh, you know, they'll say the senseless phrase, it's not in our culture, you know, but at the same time, they crave this kind of content, you know. They they, they want to see something that's different from, from what they're used to. They want to see something that's interesting, that's valuable. You can pay to have access for a certain period of time, or you can rent the film for 24 hours. And we use proceeds from that to fund our other film initiatives, which includes the sequel to Ife, which we're currently working on. And it's going to be a feature-length film this time, not a short film. That's exciting, right? But will the sequel have a happy
0: ending, Pamela?
3: I can't say that. (laughs) I can't say right now if it's going to have a happy ending. So you have to wait and, and watch. Fighting for
0: that happy ending, in fact, any ending... In the African queer film
3: business, is tough in most African countries. So, obviously, you know, if we're going to show a film, you know, in Nigerian cinema, we would be raking in more money than we currently make on the platform. However, I can't do that with the census board, right? Because they're over there saying, no... You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And so you have to be creative in finding funding from private donors that are willing to not just fund the work but also are willing to give us the free hand to choose to do what we want to do. So I'm doing what I love. I am creating work for other people. I am, you know, helping in changing narratives and I'm also helping to make life better for the next generation. And for me, those are all the things that keep me going. And as we say in Nigeria, we move. (laughs) Yeah.
0: This episode was written and produced by Penny Dale, with input from Mae Francis and Ida Holly Nambi. Sound editing by Tevin Sudi. Afroqueer is executive produced by Sally Cham and is a production of AQ Studios. Our theme song is Power by Maya and the Big Sky. Many thanks to Kahira Ngige of the Sunday Service Arts Collective and the Nest Collective for allowing us to feature their track, Run. Afroqueer is supported by the Wellspring Philanthropic Fund and the Ford Foundation. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Afroqueer Podcast, and you can listen to all our episodes on our website, afroqueerpodcast.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Wamoto. Thanks for listening.